you want to learn more about effective management, head over to madsingers.com and sign up for my free management training. Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Seth Teagle. Welcome, Seth. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. I am super excited for today's podcast. You have lots of interesting experience in different directions, so I'm excited to talk. But just before we jump into it, Seth, would you mind giving everyone a little bit of background to who you are and how you ended up where you are right now? Yeah, so uh, the short, long story is that I was a firefighter for 22 years, firefighter paramedic in the U.S. uh, for 22 years. Uh, Got into real estate about about eight years ago now. Uh, Bought my, my first rental property I ever bought was in an apartment complex. Uh, 50 unit that I bought with another investor. And from that, we've grown um, over the last eight years, a company called the Stream Group, which is a basically a private equity firm that buys, you know, apartment complexes and commercial real estate throughout the US. Uh, and then we also manage, uh, we vertically integrated about two years ago. So we manage all of our properties in house and do all the renovations and construction. So um, it's grown to be Pretty big at this point. We have about 185 million dollars of assets under management and about 25 employees. Nice, nice. I I love real estate investment myself, so that's a interesting interesting area. So interesting to hear. So you have about 25 staff right now. Is that uh, yeah? How how is that to manage? How many managers uh, it, do you have, and so on? So we've got right now. We've got uh, three managers. We have a asset manager that kind of works directly with myself and my two partners. Uh, and they kind of oversee, you know, we kind of um, explain to them, like, you know, what what we want to see and how the how the property should operate and, and what things make them profitable and kind of lay, we, we lay out the business plan for them. And then they oversee the properties uh, wherever they're at in the country. Uh, sometimes that requires them to go visit the properties, but then they they work. Each location has a property manager and then that property manager has uh, several people underneath them, you know, leasing agents, maintenance, construction, and um, and it just kind of trickles down from there. Cool. What's the most challenging aspect from a management standpoint? Um, I think that the probably the most challenging, uh, you know, a lot of the things that we do in business that we base it off of what we learned in the fire service. My my uh, main partner that I started this with, he was also a lieutenant in the fire service here in Columbus, Ohio. And so a lot of our structure, our chain of command, the way that we do our SOPs and everything are based on same type of structure that we've known for our entire careers, because we were able to lead teams in high stress, high demand environments, utilizing those kind of protocols and SOPs. And so that's kind of how we structured things. Uh, But I would say the most challenging thing is your span of control. You know, so something that we were always trained on was that an average person can manage three to five people. And now once you get outside of that, it really can kind of come off the rails. Uh, So we try to, you know, every time that we, we recognize or see that somebody is overseeing whether it's task oriented or it's more systems oriented, when they start to kind of manage that, you know, they kind of hit that five person, um, you know, it's different for everybody, but three to five people, we then we start to kind of sector it off and and create a new position, new supervisor position or whatnot. And, and that's, you know, so like for me, I in turn manage the asset manager uh, and then they in turn manage the property managers and then the property managers manage the, the maintenance folks and the leasing agents. And, and it all kind of just breaks down from there. And we, you know, so I think that that was the, when we got started, that was the biggest challenge is just trying to make something out of nothing, uh, you know, and, and trying to figure out, 
you know, what is the reason we went vertically, vertically integrated was because we were having such problems with management companies that we were hiring that were third party. And a lot of them are profit-based. So they're, they're constantly trying to scale and get bigger because it drives more revenue and, and brings more money into the business. And in doing so, they end up dropping the ball a lot on, on stuff that we need for the way that we execute our properties. And, you know, we have people that um, invest with us and when we, when they invest with us, we promise them a specific return. And so in order for us to kind of make sure that that returns happening or the properties, you know, is being ran optimally, we have to be more in control of what's going on there. So that's why we opted to end up kind of creating a management company, a uh, construction company that handles all of our stuff. And, and so that, that, I think that's the biggest thing, span of control and then building something out of nothing. Yep. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, particularly when you grow bigger, it can make a lot of sense, right? I think early on, it can definitely be difficult trying to, to grab sort of too many things at once. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but definitely makes sense when you grow into a bigger company to, to be in control of more things yourself. Um, what, what, what sort of things do you hire outside contractors for or outside businesses? Yeah. So a lot of our construction that we do, for instance, is like, if we're having a major roof project done, you know, we'll bring in a roofing company that's local to the area that we vetted. Um, if we have, you know, sewer line issues or major plumbing or electrical issues, we'll bring in outside vendors and whatnot, which is pretty typical in the, in the property management space. Um, but what we do is, you know, all of our maintenance guys, you know, they handle all the, the day-to-day things. And then all of our crews that we have, um, on each property, they handle all the unit turns and renovations. So we usually buy properties that are low performing, whether they haven't been renovated, maybe they're not up to current standards, or they've just been mismanaged by other folks. You know, that's kind of what we, we try to buy those types of properties, and then we try to make them better. So, you know, a lot of our, you know, anything outside of our, our scope, uh, we will hire out or bring in another company. But uh, that's the beautiful thing about multifamily or or going bigger is that we've systematized everything. So if you go into one of our properties in Columbus, Ohio, or you go into it in Oklahoma city, you're going to see the same style flooring, same paint, same, you know, everything. And we try and that, you know, just the scalability is, has been, uh, which, you know, it's kind of like why we, we went the way that we did with real estate. Yep. That makes sense. That makes sense. So you said a lot of your leadership style comes from what you learn in the fire service. So, uh, share with me a little bit. What, what are the sort of, core concepts that that you feel that you've picked up from from that job yeah so i think that you know um you know chain of command is is super important for us you know in and i you know it probably isn't other businesses but i didn't know any other business owners at the time that were you know really implementing that i mean a lot of small business owners you know they're they're in the business you know they're in the day-to-day they're in the thick of it and it's really hard to work on the business when you're trapped in it and you're doing, you know, if, if, and if you, you know, that's one thing that we didn't want was we wanted to be systems based because, you know, if the fire chief leaves and goes out of town or a Lieutenant is off or whatever that, you know, a decision maker is gone, somebody else fills that role immediately. And then they just are basing all their decisions off of pre um, predetermined uh, SOPs um, protocol. If you're, you know, I was a paramedic, so I rode the medic a lot. Uh, you know, all the things that we would do on the medic were all things were based off of a written, you know, chain of event, chain of orders, if you would, from a physician that was not on the, it was not there with us. So that's kind of how we based everything. Um, we try to try to um, eliminate the unpredictableness of property management. So if a bill, you know, if a building burns down, you do X, Y, Z. 
if this happens, somebody, you know, passes away in the apartment and, you know, you do X, Y, Z, if the, we buy a new property and then you have to change over the utilities, you do X, Y, Z. Um, so really just systematizing it that way. Um, and then I think too, just, um, having ownership, you know, we really try to give our employees, um, we want them to take ownership of what they're doing of the, of the job of the property, you know, and teaching them the way that we do it and what we expect, and then allowing them the ability to, um, make those decisions and not be, you know, not micromanage. And I think that we, you know, we kind of give them the guideline and then there's going to be things that come up where they're going to have to operate outside of that guideline. And as long as they can justify the decision that they made, then they're free to do that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's definitely one of the biggest challenges that I see for most people and most people I coach is definitely like the delegation and really learning to let go and, and so on. So that's, um, well, 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 well done. Uh, yeah, that's, well, thank that's... you. Yeah. I will say that, uh, you know, it, it's a lot of people I see it's struggle with going from like a task oriented mindset to a systems oriented mindset, like you said, and delegating and giving away some of the, the work um, and a book that really changed my life uh, years ago that I read was called who not how by Dan Sullivan. And uh, it was, you know, when I, the first project that I ever bought, I was there doing all the work, doing drywall, doing, you know, my, I had a construction background being in the fire service. And I realized quickly after reading that book that I couldn't scale and I couldn't build, you know, I, I'm stuck in the day-to-day business and my time was better spent talking to investors or like building the company out versus going down there and doing the actual tasks. And so that book really kind of opened my eyes to that um, and allowed me to, you know, being a blue collar guy, you know, it's just in my nature that I was always wanting to kind of be there, do everything. Nobody could do it better than me. I was very specific on how I wanted it done. and you know, I realized that, you know, if somebody, if I could hire somebody, they could do it 80% as well as I could, that was good enough. And, yeah. and it, because it freed me up to do other more important things to grow the business. So. And and that's, that's the biggest thing I see with people, right? They're like, well, you know, this other person only gets 90% done or 80% done. And the whole thing is that if they get 80% done without your interference, that means you can spend your time doing more valuable stuff, right? Absolutely. Which is, which is exactly where all the, where all the benefit comes from, right? Yep, so. yep, 100%. Excellent. Yep, I, I think that's super interesting. And I, I like the way you're talking about procedures and so on. I think I think for a lot of companies and, and particularly smaller business owners, right, it happens consistently. And, and I see particularly in the online world where I operate a lot, what, what tends to happen is that everyone releases courses and, and trainings. And they're like, yeah, you know, you figure out how to do something and then you tell someone exactly how to do it. And then you make sure they do it the right way. And it's just, it's like, obviously in any bigger companies, like the CEO is not sitting, figuring out what everyone in the company is doing. Right. Right. So it's just, it it's learning to hand over that responsibility and, and get out of there. I have to figure it out first and just, yeah. Yeah. Learning. To yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. And that's a lot, a lot of that book. Who not how talks about that is finding the who uh, to complete your how. And, and, you know, th- that's something that has allowed us to scale, the way that we have is, is because we'll bring in experts, you know, like for instance, we just had a big um, two day get together with a lot of our folks with an, we brought in an HR group to really kind of help strengthen and, and build out some of the HR things that we were lacking in. And, and rather than me spend time trying to figure it out and then telling people how to do it, I found one of the, the experts in our field, you know, just through networking with other people that do what I do or that are bigger than I am. I'm like, Hey, how did you get, you know, how did you get to where you're at? Who did you hire? Who did you bring in? And then once I heard the kind of like the same name come up several different times of, from people that I trusted, 
we called them up and said, Hey, this is where, here's where we're, our struggles are at. You know, what can you do for us? And so they came in and did a two day event. And, you know, I mean, again, we paid for that. Uh, it, it's not cheap, but when they left, they left us with all the systems that we needed, you know, in the, in the area that we were lacking in. So rather than me, you know, I'd rather pay up front and, and, you know, get to the front of the line faster than I would if I tried to had to figure it out all on my own and come up with all these different procedures and, and, you know, cause a lot of times I'm not going to do it right the first time. So exactly. you're going to spend a lot of, a lot of time realizing that you did it wrong. And then, you know, five years from now, you finally get it right when you could have just paid a professional to come in and, and get you squared away on day one. Yep. And I, I look at that in most fields. I mean, uh, honestly, it doesn't matter if I need a doctor or if I want to like hiring a personal trainer and all that sort of stuff, right. Or a nutritionist or whatever, like yep. you can sit around and play around with stuff yourself. But when you start realizing the value of your time and you realize that, you know, there's people who are already great at something that you might not be like, you're, you're so much better off paying them. Uh, yes, it is often a little bit more expensive, but again, it's uh, like compared to all the time that you would have spent on it. It's often a steal. Yeah. Because, yeah. Cause the time you'd spend on it, you could be growing, you know, if you own a franchise, you could go and open up a second store or exactly. you could do other revenue generating things with your time versus, you know, cause you're the only one, most of the time you're the only one that can do that. Or, you know, you're, you know, that's what you could take that, you know, maybe it costs you $10,000 to have somebody come in, but you can go free. It frees your time up to go make $50,000 or $25,000 or whatever it is. And, and exactly. so then it becomes worth it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Interesting. Interesting. So, um, I mean, obviously it's real estate is definitely a, an interesting area. So, um, for you guys, I mean, what, how did you see the difference between moving from fire service to real estate? Like, was it, was it a big shock for you or was it super <laughs> different or was uh, it like, yeah. So really for me about eight years ago, I got my back was against the wall. I was married. I started having kids. You know, I was, I found myself working uh, tons of overtime at my job. I mean, I loved it. I love being in the fire service. I did it for a long time. I mean, it was really the only job I had had as an adult, you know, a full time. It was a career. I thought I would always do that. Um, and I found a, a, a reconnected through social media, a gentleman that I'd gone to college with, we were roommates and I went into the fire service and he went into real estate and he was, when I last saw him, he was going to be a realtor. And then when I reconnected with him, he was a multimillionaire doing wholesaling, hard money loans, house flipping. He had, like you said, a, a course teaching other people on how to do what he was doing to scale uh, so that they could get there faster. And I connected with him and I'm just like, you know, hey, this is crazy. Like what happened to this guy that I knew? And now you're the seven figure earner. And so he, you know, sent me a course that he did. You know, he sent it to me via email on MP3 that I remember driving around in my car, listening to it. And, and that was the first time I really understood that you know, he had systems and processes to everything that he was doing. And that was, you know, I, so I realized that, you know, that was scalable. Uh, and then I, I was like, okay, I have no experience doing this. So I went and found a, uh, from his advice, I went and found a local person through, I started attending real estate meetups, uh, found somebody that was a contractor that flipped houses. And at the time I didn't have any experience, but I did have time. We worked 24 hour shifts and we would have two days off. So I basically volunteered to help this guy run his flips and help him manage his rental portfolio so that I could learn and kind of get that on the job training. And that was something that was huge in the fire services, kind of like the hands-on, you know, you can go read about it in a book, you can study, pass all the tests, but the day you get on the company is the day that your education really starts. And it's very similar to, to other things in the world. And so I worked with him for about a year uh, and I realized that, you know, through that experience that 
flipping houses was another job and managing small rental portfolio yourself was another job. And that is what I, that was like the opposite of what I wanted. I needed to systematize something and get big enough to where I could afford to pay somebody to kind of oversee everything. And so, you know, that was, I realized at that point uh, in listening to podcasts and uh, just other folks that I was learning from that getting into multifamily, you know, getting as many doors underneath one roof was the fastest way to scale, was the biggest way to get where I wanted to go. Uh, and so I, I took a home equity line of credit against my primary residence. I uh, found a, another investor through a, a real estate meetup that I had kind of been networking with and getting to know during that year that I was working for this gentleman. Uh, and I, he had owned small rentals, but never had done anything big. And so he did a cash out refinance of his rental properties. I did my home equity line of credit. We po- we pooled our money together and we went and bought a 50 unit apartment complex. Uh, and then I, my job, the task of it was to run it, you know, for the next year and execute the business plan. So we hired a third party property management company to do all the leasing and kind of the deal with the tenants. And then I ran all of the construction renovation, put the teams together of contractors to be able to do all the work and coordinated all that. And uh, 14 months later, we refinanced the property and we had created a million dollars of new equity in it. And so we were able to pull out a million dollars of tax-free cash uh, and and we paid ourselves back and then we went and bought another building. And that's kind of how it started. And we've just kind of gone from there now to where we're the size we are. Fantastic. Yeah. That's the beauty of real estate. That's yeah, it's amazing. Interesting. So... Uh, Finding partners is not easy. I mean, I, I've definitely been burned in the past. I, I have some great partners now, but I've definitely been burned in the past. So how, how did you get around sort of picking a partner and making sure it was the right person and so on? Yeah, so I was kind of, you know, the thing about the how we do real estate is each deal is kind of like its own marriage or whatnot. And so we don't, you know, I'm, I'm like you, I'm very specific on if I'm going to have a long-term business partner, that 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 took a lot of vetting and a, and a lot of um, kind of getting to know that person. But on the, on the, you know, each specific deal, it's kind of like a deal by deal basis. So you and I could do, you know, we could go, we could say, Hey, we're going to take down this big apartment complex. We buy it. You know, we're only tied together for the life of that, that asset that long, as long as we hold it. So it's a little bit less, um, you know, vetting that has to go on. We, you know, we won't get into anything if we don't control it because of just the experience that we have now that we, we just, you know, we want to have the final say, but finding my primary partner, you know, I actually met him through another firefighter that I was mentoring in the real estate space. Uh, and he was like, Hey, I know this guy, he works for another department, but he's like the smartest real estate guy that I know you two should get together and talk. And so I met Tim, uh, through this friend. So he came vetted through a friend, you know, we sat down and I'd probably say over six to nine months, we got to know each other. We realized our families were very similar. Our work ethic was very similar. Our um, integrity was very similar, you know, just like the, 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 the core beliefs that we had as people and family and, and husbands and whatnot was, was very aligned. Um, and then the other thing I think that was most important is that he filled parts of the, the business that I was not good at or that I didn't want to do. Right. So we, you know, that, that I think that was the, the biggest thing is that, um, you know, he's opposite of me. So he likes to kind of be behind the scenes, doing the spreadsheets, crunching the numbers, um, doing a lot of the analytical things. And I'm more kind of out in front of everybody. I'm on the properties. I'm going to walk the properties. I'm talking to the brokers. I'm talking to investors, you know, and that's what I enjoy and what I'm good at. And so, you know, that was something that I see people when the partnerships fail is, you know, something in what I just said is, is misaligned yeah. or you get two or three people that all like the same things. And so then something in the business is, 
you know, it gets kind of like a left to the wayside and that ends up kind of being the thing that comes back to bite you. Yeah. Yeah. I see that all the time. I mean, particularly I operate in the tech space a lot and I see so often I see two developers that are super nerdy and they're super good at the same thing, partnering up and, you know, they just have, they either need to spend a significant amount of money hiring people to cover for their weaknesses. But, mm -hmm. you know, when you are in a business partnership, like really finding someone that complement you uh, is, is just so important. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely. And I mean, and I'm, I mean, I feel very lucky with with the group that we have, the three of us. Now we brought on another guy as well as we kind of scaled. Um, and it, you know, it's, I, I'm very fortunate to have found the guys that I've found, and and uh, you know, but we we also know that too. Like, there's sometimes where I'll look at a deal and I'm like, hey, I want to do that, and then they don't. You know, we allow each other to kind of have a say. Where, you know, if you're, you know, you just stick to your guns all the time. It's your way or the highway all the time. You know, that does that. That usually doesn't go well either. Oh, that's the whole thing. I mean, with partnership of just collaboration in general, right? Like when yeah. you're working with people around you, like you, you need to, I mean, sometimes there's probably battles you want to fall on. The For sure. On, right. Yeah. But, but, but most of the time it's, it's always about compromise and it's finding a way. Like a lot of the time, the problem is also as a leader, if you're doing things that other people are not bought into, it is less likely to succeed. Right. Yeah. So, yep. so getting people bought in is, uh, is so critical. Right? Yeah, a lot huge. of the time, a lot of time, people always go back and they, they rely on role power and they say, hey, I'm your boss, do it, right? Mm -hmm. And they're like, okay, I'll do it. And then when it fails, it comes back to you. Now, it didn't necessarily fail because it was the wrong idea, but when the people who are supposed to execute isn't bought in, then, you know, anything can fail. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, I've worked for officers in the fire service that were like that, and they were like the worst ones to work for, you know? And then they, and then you had ones that were, you know, they were, you knew they were your boss, but they didn't have to tell you every day, you know, I mean, and, and you just, you wanted to work for them. You wanted to do good. You wanted them to be proud of you. You wanted to, you know, do a good job. And I think that's something that we really try to, um, you know, to bring to our team is that, you know, ultimately, like if they fail, I take responsibility for it. I'm a big Jocko Wilnick fan. If you ever, if you know who he is, yeah. he's a big Navy SEAL, you know, military guy. And, and so we, you know, we believe in like the whole extreme ownership thing. And, and again, if it's, if the team fails, it's because I didn't, explain it right or i didn't do something and and uh you know so that's that's the way we view things and then we try to get you know that's the people that we hire or that we bring into those management roles you know it, we want to make sure that they also believe in that yeah yeah so. it, it definitely um i i think extreme ownership is probably one of my favorite books uh i think but i i look at it as a human right like not just yep. as a leader but as a human right like if you take full responsibility of everything that happens around you, uh, I, I find it difficult to be unhappy when I do it, because if there's something I'm unhappy with, I, I'm the one who is there to change it, right? Yes. Uh, so yep. I, I find that makes a, a huge difference. Any other great resources or anything else where you have learned a lot from, Seth? Um, I think just putting myself in the right room of people, you know, I think that, that I've, I'll pay to be in masterminds. I pay to, you know, sometimes I pay to be in, in groups because, you know, when I first started doing it, I was kind of like, oh, I got to pay the, you know, I got to pay this money to, to go to this event or do whatever. And, and what I, you know, when I realized that, and I started looking at it more as an investment, you know, that, that everybody else in that room also paid that amount of money to get there. You know, everybody takes it more serious. It eliminates the tire kickers. You know, the people that are actually there are want, you know, they're, they're the, the type of people that we want to be around that can help our growth and just like we can help their growth. So I would say the other big thing that, you know, if you're a business owner and you're not doing it is trying to get into the room with other folks. They don't have to necessarily be the same doing the, you know, if it's, if you're in tech, you don't have to necessarily go to a room full of other tech folks. But if you yeah. go, you know, if you're in a room with other high level 
individuals or high, you know, successful business owners. Uh, you know, there's so many different things that you can learn from just talking and sitting at the table with those folks. And, and like you said earlier, is, is learning from their mistakes, or maybe you're going through something and that person has the answer to, you know, hey, have you tried this or have you thought about this? And they just look at it through that, that just that small lane lens change you know, it can accelerate your growth or it can, it can, you know, knock down barriers that have been holding you up or um, slowing your growth down for a long time. And so I think that masterminds or, or groups like that have been um, again, exponential because I'm, I'm one mind and I can get laser focused on things and kind of miss some things going on around me at times. But when I get into, you know, I'll probably say like two or three times a year, I go to specific events that I'm like groups I'm a part of. And that's what we do for two days. You know, we're all sitting around, kind of like, Hey, what's going on in your business? And what, you know, what are your, what are your um, problems right now and your roadblocks? And then like the group kind of tries to pick it apart and see, you know, what, you know, have you tried this? Have you done that? You know, like all these different things. And I mean, it's been, it's been huge for us. And I've watched other people that, you know, maybe just barely qualified to get into the group. And then within 12 months of, you know, following through on what they've been told, I mean, they've just exploded uh, with growth and, and really even just happiness, you know, getting things off their plate and, 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 uh, doing better. So. I, I think that's one of the big, I mean, I'm a huge, uh, generally networking, right. I mean, I, I, I think most particularly smaller business owners, they never have the the time because they're busy doing, but I, I think that for, for me, it's the number one thing, right? Like if you're, yeah. if you're a business owner, like getting out there also, I mean, if you run a business, even if you're a partnership, right? Like sometimes it can feel quite lonely. Oh right? yeah. Like hundred percent. I was going to say, yeah, like you don't have a lot of people to talk with. It's hard to talk with your staff about some business things sometimes, right? But but just finding other like-minded people, it, it just makes such a huge difference, right? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It's very refreshing. I feel like, and so, you know, like you said, if you're busy working, you know, a lot of times we can just get tired and worn out. And I think getting in those rooms and talking with people, it just to me, it's refreshing to be around those people. And and there's just not a lot, you know. That was a that was another reason why I left the fire service was because I I, I started to realize as the bigger I got and the more I expanded my mind and and just what I was doing, I I had less and less in common with the guys that I was working with, and I loved them. I mean, I love my crew. I mean, I you know we, we've been in some crazy situations together, but you know, I'm sitting at the kitchen table at the firehouse, which is where we always jokingly said that all the world's problems can get solved at any kitchen table in, the, in any firehouse in America. You know, it, the things that they, they were talking about, like my mind was elsewhere. Yeah. You know, I had, I had come back from an event of sitting with guys that were doing a million, you know, seven figures, eight figure business transactions. And the conversations that we were having were such high level. It just, it re- was refreshing to me. And then I come back and I'm like, oh, we're talking about the same old stuff uh, or the, you know, the, the stuff that to me, it just no longer made, it made, didn't make any sense anymore. It was like I said, I just kind of had kind of outgrown the, the, you know, the group that I was around. And I think that's part of it too, just constantly growing, constantly learning, elevating yourself and, you know, elevating the, the, I always say elevating the five people that are around you, you know, that one of the things that I've learned about personal growth, which which I find is very interesting, and and you're right, like you you really outgrow the people you're around. But one of the big challenges is a lot of the time, my experience is that we, we, we mirror ourselves in the people around us. And one of the challenges is that, for example, most people, if you go home and visit your parents, you feel like 15 again. Yeah. Right? And this, this is the same for all people. Now, the thing is, if you go back and hang out with friends that you met when you were 15, you feel like the person you were when you were 15 again. So a lot of, a lot of growth in my experience really take actually 
replacing the people you're mostly around, right? If they're not growing in a similar level as yourself, which which is often not the case, right? Yeah. And, and that that sounds that probably sounds a bit horrible, but but reality is that when you start personal growth, when you start personal development, and people do it in all different speeds and all different directions, but when you start it, you really, really need to look at the people around you. Because reality is that um, it's not that the other people are not good enough. It's not about that. But it's just you keep reflecting yourself in people that you've known for a long time. And you keep seeing who you used to be instead of who you are. And, and a lot of people realize this when they physically move. Like if you physically move from one city to another and suddenly you're surrounded by different people, it's kind of like you, you're suddenly the, the person that you've developed and grown the last 10 years that person suddenly comes to life and that's the person the new friendship circle uh, see right and that that yeah. that's where a lot of growth happens in my experience so yeah no i 100 agree with that and and the, and the other part of it i think along with that is that you know the people that you are you know those the you're growing and the other people are kind of stagnant or, or they're not growing with you then all you know you start getting you come back and you're full of new ideas and you're full of of excitement and it can get deflated quickly when you're around people that are, you know, they just don't get it. And, yeah. you know, kind of like you said, as being even an entrepreneur, like it's hard to talk to other people about the struggles, you know, you're grinding away every day trying to build something. And then you go talk to your buddy next year, even your neighbor next door, that's, you know, working, you know, whatever job that he's working, like it, it's, it's hard to have like small talk with that person because you just, they don't understand what you're going through and what you're feeling. And like you said, you can feel very isolated, even though you're around a lot of people. And so that's why I, I also think, yeah, the getting in the rooms of folks that are kind of on your level like that are, are, are huge for rejuvenation and, and growth. And, and really just, you know, I remember when I did my first, the first real estate deal we did, we bought, we paid 1.7 million for that. And I remember sitting in my daughter's gymnastics class just I couldn't believe that I was like a million dollars. Like it would just always seem like a pie in the sky number to me as a, you know, as a fireman. And then here I was, I bought that and I thought, man, you know, how amazing is that? And, and it was cool until I was sitting at a table with guys that were doing $10 million deals or $20 million deals, or, you know, and you think that these things are so out of reach for you until you're in a room with people that are doing 10 times what you're doing. And you're like, you know, and you don't get jealous and like, oh, you know, and don't want to tear them down. And it's just like, and you know, you in a lot for me, it's like you meet them and you're like, this is just a, he's an average guy like I am. And if he can do it, then I can do it. And then now I've got somebody around me that can kind of give me the roadmap. I'm like, how did you go from where I'm at to where you're at today? And then they can help you. And at least in real estate, I've really found that that everybody's willing to turn around and kind of help those behind them, you know, if they're willing to do the work. So Here, here's my experience with this. I 100 percent agree successful people are generally happy to help others because they've become successful from the help of others. Yep. Right. So my experience is, I mean, I'm in a lot of these rooms with, with hundreds of amazing people uh, on a regular basis. Right. And the, the whole thing is that everyone is grown based on other people's advice. Now it's different. If, if you're sitting and look like you don't give a shit and don't care. Yes. People don't want to help you. Right. But if you're eager, if you're enthusiastic, people love helping each other like great people successful people love helping each other when you look at most of the world people are so busy pushing each other down to mm -hmm. feel better about themselves but when you surround yourself with successful people they're all trying to lift each other up right? yep yep so get in the right rooms i i've, I've done masterminds for a long time uh, many many years and uh, one of the key things, like, so I, I run different ones and I, I join different ones. So both at events, you know, where it's sort of a once-off, uh, 
peers a group type of thing. Mm -hmm. But I also have masterminds. I have a couple of friends that I meet with every two weeks uh, where I've done it for years and years. And, you know, just having people that know the insights of your business and that you can have those conversations with is is fantastic, right? Yeah, yeah, it's huge. If, if you're if you're a business owner and you're not doing it, I mean, you really should look at doing it because it's, it's like I said, to me, I feel rejuvenated. I feel like it's new life. And then I bring that, that excitement, that new life, that rejuvenation back to our team. And, you know, I can communicate things, you know, cause maybe we've been stuck on something and we're like kind of, you know, banging our head against the wall, trying to figure it out. And, and what we keep trying to do is just not working. And I go to the, the meetup and I'm talking to these, you know, individuals and something clicks or something that they did a year ago or six months ago, or even a month ago, worked for them. And I'm like, Oh man, that's, that's exactly what we need. Or maybe we should try that. And then we, and we go back and we do it and it works. You know, it's just, it's, it's, I think it's, it's, it's huge for the team. Uh, you know, and you just can't look at it as I know when I started doing it, I was like, man, this is expensive or, Hey, this is, I can't afford this. Or, you know, and I had to change my mindset to, to look at it as an investment, um, because investing in myself and investing in my, my personal growth in my mind, you know, it's, it's caused us to be able to explode with what we're doing, you know, and so it, it, we make the money back tenfold and it's not a, it's not even an issue. So, you know, it's and, and exactly as you said earlier, like the thing is like I've masterminds that are 20 grand and the whole thing is, you know, that the people who pay 20 grand to be in a room have the money, right. And not just have the money, but they have the mindset, those sort of, you know, those sort of people you really want to be around. And it's not, it's not even about the price, but as you said, like you, you get rid of all the tire kickers and you, you can, you can keep, leveling up right i mean yeah yeah from day one don't go pay a hundred grand for a mastermind if you're just starting a business today right but yeah. the whole thing is it's it, you can you can follow the pe people on your level uh, as you get along and and honestly the more you can invest the more you can meet great people the, the faster you grow in the business yep 100 percent. fantastic sir uh amazing conversation uh great to get to know you a bit more um any kind of particular resources besides the ones you've already mentioned that you would recommend for people who are starting out their business or looking to manage their stuff better? Uh, no, I mean, I just, I, I think for me, you know, I'm, I'm constantly listening to podcasts. I'm constantly reading, you know, if you're not doing those things, I think that you can learn a lot from, from those on top of going to masterminds, you know, because uh, I, you know, it's great to drive around. Like for me, I don't even hardly listen to music anymore. I drive around and I'm either listening to an audio book or I'm listening to a podcast or what on, on the, on the topics of which we do trying to learn from others. Um, so if you're not doing that, I mean, there's, there's, you know, everybody says, well, I don't have time to read, but I mean, there's, there's, you know, in today's world, there's a thousand different ways for you to consume information. And I think that that's the, that's huge for, if you're trying to grow a business, you know, uh, to be, be doing that. So I think any of those things, and then, you know, social media has been a massive uh, thing for us. Uh, you know, we, we create, you know, putting yourself out there, telling people what you're doing. Um, you know, I, I'm obviously doing real estate, but if you're doing, you know, you're a car dealer, for instance, you could be, you know, there, there's people out there that are, there's groups for those people on social media that you can um, get into and get around. And then again, that, you know, that's, that's kind of where it starts, uh, I think. And, and, you know, if you're not doing those things. So th those are all things that we've added to our business. And it's been a stretch for me. You know, I was the fire service, the fire, firefighters are not huge on social media and, and doing a lot of those things. And so, like I said, I really had to push myself in the early days and even in the last probably year and a half, two years to kind of put myself more out there. Um, but I've, you know, I realized that it was fear that was holding me back. And once I kind of let go of that and just 
gave in and said, okay, I'm going to do this because I was seeing how it was helping other people. You know, it has just been a hundred times more rewarding than I could have ever imagined. And so, you know, I think again, consuming as much information you can using social media for a, uh, the platform that it is, you know, there's a lot of consumers of social media and that's not what I'm talking about. Um, you know, but using it for business, using it for marketing, using it to connect with other folks that are in your industry that are, are, are farther down the road than you. I mean, those are all things that we utilize that have helped our growth. So. Perfect. Perfect. Seth, if people are eager to get hold of you or connect with you, what's the best place to do so? Uh, I mean, I'm on all social media. So Facebook, LinkedIn, um, you know, we're on Instagram. Uh, they can go to our website is uh, www.thestreamgroups.com. That's our investment website. And then um, if somebody's listening and they're like, man, sound, real estate sounds great. Um, we do, a, we have our own edu kind of like education slash mastermind platform through um, the firehousebros.com. Uh, and the, it, we do what we said right there is people that are either wanting to get into real estate or they're in real estate and they want to get into bigger commercial multifamily and bigger projects. Uh, they can link up with us there. And then we walk them through how we did it and what we do and, and really basically hand them our, all of our, um, all the work that we've done over the last eight years, we've packaged it up and we say, Hey, you know, here's how you can do it. And then we help them kind of get to where they want to go. So that's, that's, we keep the group small, but it's understanding where they want to go and then how we can help them get there. And, you know, like you said, you can go, you can get to the front of the line a lot faster if you're, if you're with the right people. So. Fantastic. Ted. Thank you very much for joining me today. That was super interesting talking to you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And to the audience, thank you for sticking with us all the way to the end. We'll be back again next week. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at madsingers.com.